0: So glad you 're with us this morning, so good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen, John. I love being here and uh, and it, it it was a much different walk up to the church from the from the edge of the parking lot than it was last week. They say if you don 't like the weather in Wisconsin, wait a minute it 'll change right and so well we 're glad you 're here, and uh, today we 'll be closing out the series that we've been through, The Church Living as the Light. And uh, we'll be starting a new series next week. As Tim, Pastor Tim said when he came up, this is the beginning of the Advent season. And so as we launch the Advent season, we're going to have a new series. It's called Woven by Grace, More Than a Story. And it will be the theme of the Advent dinner as well. But what we're looking at is we're looking. we're going to start all the way back in Genesis, And we're going to see how the truth of redemption through Jesus Christ is woven through Scripture. And we're going to do that by taking a look at the covenants. So we'll take a look at a different covenant each week and see how this thread of redemption finds its way woven through Scripture. So that'll start next week. I encourage you to come. and, And if you've ever wondered how in the world do these covenants tie in with the coming of Jesus, hopefully we'll be able to bring that to light for you. This morning we're looking at the uh, final installment, if you will, in our series on the triune God. Last week uh, we looked at the Son, the week before we looked at the Father. And so we're looking at the joy of discovering the Trinity and what that means for us. And hopefully as this happens and as you've been following along, it has opened up for you in a new way the truth of who God is. Um, We looked at a quote from Tozer that says, what comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And if true, then one of the most important things for us to have is an accurate understanding of who God is. And uh, while the word Trinity never appears in Scripture, The truth of a triune God is clearly there on the pages, and that's what we've been looking at over the past few weeks. And I would suggest to you that the more that you're able to understand the truth of this doctrine of the Trinity, the more precious your salvation becomes to you, and the more urgency you have to share that salvation with another. So today we're looking, again, the church living as the light, And uh, we've looked at this verse. It says, but these things are written, and, and this comes in John chapter 20. So, of course, we're stepping into the middle of John's recordings. And John actually, right before this, has said, Jesus did a whole lot of things that we couldn't fit in the book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And as I put this up two weeks ago, I said to you that the Trinity is seen in this verse. And some of you were like, I don't see the Trinity in this verse. And so as we've been unpacking that, we've taken a look at because there's a Son, there's a Father. And so whenever we see Son of God, we're able to see the Father in that, in that picture and in that verse. And so we talked about how Father and Son have always existed in relationship with each other with the Holy Spirit. And so as we look at this verse, and you're saying, I don't necessarily see the Holy Spirit in this verse. Well, today as we look, we'll see that in the Christ, when we see the Christ, we're able to see the Holy Spirit. And I'll explain that in a few minutes. And then also it says that by believing, you may have life in his name. And I will suggest to us that when we see that, life... We see the Holy Spirit. So let's look at that together, shall we? In the uh, book that I've encouraged you to get if you wanted to, to look more deeply into this, the author gives a testimony. And he says this This is uh, Delighting in the Trinity by Michael Reeves. My new life began, Michael Reeves says, when the Spirit first opened my eyes and won my heart. That's important. To Christ. Then, for the first time, I began to enjoy and love Christ as the Father has always done. And through Christ, for the first time, I began to enjoy and love the Father as the Son has always done. That was how it started. And that is how this new life goes on. By revealing the beauty, love, glory, and kindness of Christ to me, the Spirit kindles in me an ever deeper and more sincere love for God. And as He stirs to me to, to think ever more on Christ, He makes me more and more Godlike, less self obsessed, and more Christ obsessed. I think that quote is beautiful. That testimony is beautiful. And I think as we unpack this today, we're going to see the truth of what the author shared there. Jesus, when he was, you'll remember, when he was in a a conversation, shall we say, with the Pharisees, and and they asked him the question. They said, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus responded and said, Exactly. (laughs) I know, I love it, right? See, we know that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. and, And this is the greatest commandment. It is absolutely impossible for us to do that apart from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, you see, God in the Holy Spirit is the one who makes it possible for us to love the Lord, our God, with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. It is is through the Holy Spirit that that the Father loves the Son. It is is through His Spirit that His love extends to His Son. It's through the Spirit that the Son loves the Father. So, you see, as we come to a place in our lives, if we're going to be the most Christ-like it's going to show itself in the love we have for the Father. Because Jesus all throughout Scripture says, I love the Father. And when you see me, you see the Father because of how I love the Father. And if we're going to be like God, we're going to love the Son. For us to love the Son, the Holy Spirit must come into our lives and must reveal to us exactly what that love is. The big idea that God is a loving and triune God—it it, it focuses around this love that God has for us, and that He makes possible for us to have for Him. Now, the Holy Spirit, probably of of all the persons of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit is the one that we have the most trouble getting our heads around. Would you do an exercise with me? Audience participation, ready? I don't know, I didn't send it. Okay, all you have to do is close your eyes. All right, so you close your eyes and picture God the Father. I- imagine in your mind, if I say God the Father, what's the picture that comes to your mind? And now God the Son, Jesus. What's the, the picture that comes to your mind? And then God the Holy Spirit picture comes to your mind okay you can open your eyes now if you're like me maybe like some people maybe most people i don't know you hear god the father and you immediately think of of an older guy with white hair no offense okay so you know but or or maybe you think of the fingers right where where god's finger touches man but you get some sort of a visual right most most of you And when you think of Jesus, you know, you think of the picture out in the hallway there, right? Which isn't a real picture of Jesus, if you didn't know that, okay? But we probably get our picture in our mind because he was a man and he walked the earth. and so. But when it comes to the Spirit, we have a hard time putting skin to that, if I could say it that way. We have a a hard time getting a picture of who is this Holy Spirit? And so many times what we're left with is, is to think of him as, as some sort of, of force or, or a power or, or some sort of thing, you know, like the swords in Star Wars. You know, and we think of it as being the power of God. And, and so what happens when we do that is, is we end up distancing ourselves from God. And if we think of the Holy Spirit as just power that he lobs down to us, God becomes distant. And every once in a while, he throws power into our lives. If we're doing things exactly right, and if we're following the right steps, and and then he throws that power into our lives, and and we better use it right. and, And so it becomes impersonal. But that's not who the Holy Spirit is. That's a misconception of who the Holy Spirit is. The first thing we need to see as we begin to understand who is the Holy Spirit, we need to see that he's a person. And Jesus, as he was talking to uh, his disciples about the Holy Spirit, and you need to understand there is way more about the Holy Spirit that I'm not going to tell you today than there is that I will. But John fourteen, fifteen, sixteen 16, give you a glimpse into it if you'd like to spend time there. But John 16, you'll see it there in your notes, starting at verse 13. Jesus says this, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you, amen. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That's why I said the spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. As Jesus is talking to his disciples about the Holy Spirit, he makes it clear that the Holy Spirit is he. It's not it. It's not something. It's someone, he. He's a person within the Godhead. And and we see that whenever it relates to God the Father, Holy Spirit, it's always God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the three persons of the essence of God. So there's one God with three persons, but also the Holy Spirit is God. We're told throughout Scripture that that the Holy Spirit is God. Most notably, when Ananias came and lied to, to Peter about the land, Peter said, you haven't lied to man, but to God. You've lied to the Holy Spirit. And so we see that the Holy Spirit is God as well. So God, as we've learned, always has existed, always was, always in a perfect relationship. Father loving the Son through the Spirit, Son loving the Father through the Spirit, in a perfect relationship, needing absolutely nothing outside of Himself. Now, here's where we try to understand what does this mean, and many times the illustrations we use just just help us think about some of the heresies of the Trinity. Because one of the illustrations you may have heard is, take a person like me, and and I'm a father, and I'm a husband, and I'm a son. Okay? And that's like the Trinity. No! No, 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 no. That's not like the Trinity. Okay? That's like modalism, which is not the Trinity. It's a heresy about the Trinity. Because, you see, what that teaches is that teaches us there's one God who takes different roles and different uh, acting assignments, if you will, within the play. And so when needed, he acts like the Father. When needed, he acts like the Son. And when needed, he acts like the Holy Spirit. And that's not what Scripture tells us is who God is. God is one God, one essence, but three distinct persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Each individual, each equal and yet one. Now you understand it fully, right? See, isn't it so cool that God is so big that you can't understand Him? Listen, if I could understand God fully and I could explain Him to you, I'd be God. And as I've said, raise the bar much higher, okay? Okay. God is so big so we can tell what we know to be true even though we may not be able to completely understand it. So as we move, understanding and knowing that God is a loving, triune God, we see that the Holy Spirit anoints. The Holy Spirit anoints. Um, Jesus says he came into Nazareth after coming out of the wilderness, went to the synagogue, opened up the scroll, read the scripture for the day that came from Isaiah chapter 61. And it's recorded for us there in Luke where he says the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery uh, of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So we see that Jesus himself says that he was anointed to preach good news. He was anointed by the Spirit. Acts chapter 10, verse 38 says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And so we see this anointing that came on Jesus. And anointing's not a word that we use a whole lot, right? I mean, you know, do you use that like at work? You know? I mean, it's not a word. And so it can get confusing for us, but for the, for the audience, they would have understood this clearly because the Hebrew scriptures tell us that, that anointing was very significant. First for the priests as Aaron came, and, and he was anointed, and there would be a special oil that was used. And those that had been set apart for a special service by God, a special role, would be anointed with a special oil. The priest with a special oil would be anointed, and it, and it would wash over, and it would mark them for a special purpose. Later, as, as Saul became king, Samuel went and anointed him as the king of Israel, And then David was anointed while Saul was still alive. And David had many opportunities to to eliminate Saul so that he could take over, but he would never make a move against God's anointed one. Saul had been marked by God for a special purpose. And so as we come into the New Testament, there was an awaited Messiah The Messiah was to come. The Jewish people were waiting for him. And the Messiah, our word for that is Christ. And it means the anointed one. And so as we look and we see Christ, we see the Messiah, it actually means the Christ, the anointed one. And so when we, in Scripture, see Christ, we think of the one who was anointed. It was actually his title, when he was first come, when he first came and was anointed by the Spirit, he was the Christ. But eventually, as the church continued to use this title, it became his name. So that now we say Jesus Christ instead of Jesus the Christ. But he was anointed, set apart, marked apart by the Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit, that is how he was set apart. Psalm one thirty three. Um, It talks a little bit about this in one of the Psalms of Ascent. Psalm 133, it says, How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robes. There's this picture there of Aaron being anointed with oil in such a way that the oil would flow down his head, down his beard, and onto his clothes, so that it would be clear that he had been set apart for that service. And in the same way, Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit, anointed as priest, anointed as king, and anointed as the Messiah. We looked at that last week. But the idea that the anointing oil flowed down on the clothes of Aaron, that as well as Jesus was anointed, the Holy Spirit flowed on his body, the body. We are the body of Christ, those of us who trusted Jesus as our Savior. And we have experienced this anointing, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And Paul talks about that in Corinthians when he says, no, it's God who makes both us and you to stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, Put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. He he has anointed us and set his seal of ownership on us. Each of these verses are so rich with so much information. Put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit that guarantees what's to come. We're anointed. So when we see Christ When we see the word Christ in Scripture, when we see Messiah, we can immediately see the Holy Spirit because Christ means anointed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is life. And here's where it starts to get exciting. Are you ready? Like what we've studied isn't exciting enough. Okay, what we've been looking at, if you want to know, is pneumatology. Okay, pneumatology. There's a silent P there. I'll let you figure out where it goes. Pneumatology, and what that means is the study of the Holy Spirit. And so there's these doctrinal truths that we need to hold on to because Satan's const, constantly speaking lies into our lives. And we have all sorts of situations where people are, are taking interpretations and making them real. We need to understand this is the truth of God. This is the word of God. It's the truth. And what this tells us is what we believe and what we form our faith on is the truth of Scripture. Amen. So the Holy Spirit is life and gives life. The verse I'd like us to think about is Romans 8, 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. What a powerful verse. I'm gonna read it again. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. The Holy Spirit. Romans 8 tells us it is the, he is the spirit of life. The Holy Spirit is life and gives life. It's his role within the Trinity. It's his role within the Godhead is to give life. Remember Genesis 1-2. Everybody knows one. One in the beginning was in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and then we move on. And it talks about the, that everything was without without shape and was a void, and the Spirit of God was hovering. The first person of the God had mentioned in Scripture is the Spirit of God the spirit of god and as genesis goes on we see that it is the spirit of god who gives life psalm chapter 33 it says this for the for the by the word of the lord were the heavens made by the word of the lord were the heavens made and we looked at this a couple of weeks ago how 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 god created by his word by by jesus he created and and so he's he wanted to create stars and he said stars, and there were stars. And so we, we see that, but this goes on and it says, Your starry host by the breath of his mouth. The breath of his mouth, the very breath and the flesh of God is the spirit. He is the life, he gives life, the giver of life. And so as we look at that and we consider it, God took dust of the earth and shaped it and formed it and breathed life. And Adam was a living creature. So are you breathing? Okay, amen, all right? 18% of you are breathing. Okay, so that's the Holy Spirit has given you life. God has given you life. Life, right? That begins at conception, by the way. And so life. But Scripture tells us something else. Ephesians chapter two, in the King James Version, it says this. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in your trespasses and sin. You hath he quickened or or brought to life is what that means in today's language. And you as he brought to life who were dead in your trespasses and sins. See, when we, when we speak, speak about death in Scripture, we, we speak about separation. And because of the sin of Adam, every person born since has been separated by God, or from God, because of sin, spiritually dead, unable to, to do anything about that. The separation was so severe and so great. Separated from God until the Holy Spirit breathes life into you. There's nothing you can do on your own, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, that no one should boast. You see, it's only because of the Holy Spirit revealing God to you that you're able to come to a point in in your life where you could turn to Jesus. If you've come to a place where you've understood that your sin has separated you from God, and you've come to that place, and you've asked for forgiveness through Jesus Christ so that your relationship with God can be reconciled, that has only happened because of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, no one comes to me unless the Father draws them. And that happens through the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. So listen, if you're praying for a friend or a loved one who doesn't know the Lord, you pray that the Holy Spirit would draw them, would reveal himself to them. Because it's at that point in time that life is breathed into that person. You see, at the moment of salvation, many times the way that we present it, we think that we received something. And we have. We've received a, a right standing before God. We've but I want to suggest to you that it's not so much about something that we've received. It's that we've received someone. We have received someone. At the moment that, that, that we receive Christ as our Savior, we receive the Holy Spirit of God. He comes to live in us. He indwells us. He becomes our life. He becomes your life. Prior to that, no life. No spiritual life at all. Oh yeah, a body that's living, dead man walking. Dead man walking. No hope of eternity. But the minute that the Holy Spirit comes into your life, you have new life. Remember, Nicodemus came to Jesus and said, what do I do? And Jesus said, be born again. Nicodemus says, I don't get how that would work. And Jesus said, you have to be born again by the Spirit, the only way. And Jesus makes that possible. It's not about what we receive. It's about who we receive. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, Moses says, for the Lord is your life. The context of that is as he's talking to this group of Israelites that will be going in, the second reading of the law, he says, this day, Moses says, this day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Get that? Choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love your, love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life. Listen, the Holy Spirit is your life. God is your life. He is your life, and the reason you have that life is so that you can love God. That's what it says, so that you can love God the Father. And as you love God the Father, and you see him for who he is, and then you love the Son, you're like, oh man, I have just stepped into unity within the Trinity. I have stepped into this amazing relationship, but God's design that we would be in him and he would be in us, and I am in that relationship. And it's like you've received someone. And so what is... What is the sin that holds you? We each have those things, right, that we wrestle with, we struggle with, selfishness maybe, or, 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 or maybe jealousy, or maybe you have an addiction. or, or what, what is the sin that, that, that constantly is in the back of your mind trying to draw you away from God? And how many times have you felt defeated by that sin? And you've thought, if only I was better, if only if only I if only I had more power from God, if only could I suggest to you that that we need to understand that listen, when you go to open the door of that sin, whatever it may be, and you go to open the door of that sin, to just think about it as okay, I've got the power of God, you know, that, that's good, it's it's good, but but listen, if I realize that the Holy Spirit's hand is on that door with mine. Because he's in me and he's right there with me. And I realize that if I open the door to that sin, I'm opening that door with the Holy Spirit. See, God has placed life inside of me and I can choose life and I can shut that door. I don't need to walk through that door. I don't need to open that web page. I don't need to go to that place of despair. I don't need to go to that place of hurt. I don't need to go to that place because I have God in me. Life, I can choose life so that I can love God. I have not received something, I have received someone. And the Holy Spirit indwells. He's the life of God in me. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you received from God, you're not your own? The spirit of truth, Jesus said, the world can't accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Holy Spirit, you know him. The world doesn't know him. Listen, if if you've never come to a saving knowledge of Christ, you don't know him. You may know about him. Remember how I closed last week. Do you know my Jesus? Do you love my Jesus? Listen, the only way you can know him, the only way you can love him is through the Spirit. And if you're not part of the family of God, this is all weird to you. But if you do know the Holy Spirit lives within you. I think one of the saddest verses in scripture is found in Judges chapter 16 verse 20. Judges chapter 16 verse 20. Let me put it in context for you. I'm sure you know this account. It's the account of Samson and Delilah. Now the Holy Spirit, you see, is the same yesterday, today, and forever, but because of the unfolding of salvation history, you see that that as Scripture continues to unfold the plan of God as it reveals His glory, and and as we continue along, and now we've had the revelation of Jesus Christ and, and His life and death and burial and resurrection and ascension at the right hand of God the Father and His sending of the Spirit in our lives, And so we understand that that anointing of the Spirit for us in this day and age, that 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 is something that cannot be be taken away. So if you've come to a place where the life of the Spirit has come in you, that Spirit won't be taken from you. But prior to Christ, in the Hebrew Scriptures, it was different. The the Holy Spirit functioned differently, and so he would come on people and leave them. It's why David said, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. And so as we step into the story, the account of Samson, it tells us that he was set apart at birth, that that God placed a Nazarene vow on him. And and as he grew and he protected the the nation of Israel, and and he met a Philistine woman that that he gave his heart to, Delilah, and, and she was sent by the Philistines to find out the secret of his strength. And so she came up to him, and This is a paraphrase, you understand. And she said, oh, I love you. Please tell me the secret of your strength. And Samson, of course, loved her and said, well, if you take seven fresh thongs and tie me with those, my strength will go away. So that night as he slept, she tied him up with the seven fresh thongs. And the next morning she cried out, the Philistines are upon you. And he woke up and broke the thongs and fought them all off in one. And she said, oh, you don't love me. I love you. I tell you everything. You can trust me completely, but I can't trust you. Yeah, right. And so you won't tell me the secret. And he said, oh, I'm so sorry. Fresh ropes, that's it. Tie me up with fresh ropes. My power will be gone. So that night, he gets tied with fresh ropes. And the next morning, the Philistines are upon you. He wakes up, breaks the ropes, and defeats the Philistines. You don't really love me. If you love me, you'd trust me. I, I tell you everything. You can trust me. Yeah, right. And, you know, it's like, I don't get it with Samson, right? Because, I mean, it's like, listen, she's trying to trap you, dude. Okay, don't you see this? If you take the braids of my hair and you weave them together with some fabric, my strength will lead me. So that night, there it is. She does that to him. Next morning, the Philistines are upon you. He wakes up, defeats the Philistines. Now, I'm assuming she gave him an ultimatum. It doesn't tell us in Scripture, but I'm thinking it came down to It's either the truth this time or I'm out of here, buddy. I don't know that to be true, but possibly. And Samson, because love is blind, tells her the truth. See, he had, he had been playing around with her, but at the third time, he got a little close to the truth. He started talking about his hair. The next thing you know, he tells her, cut my hair. My power will be gone. So that night, she cut his hair, shaved his head. The next morning, she cries out, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he wakes up and thought, no problem, I'll defeat him the way I always have. And then comes the saddest verse in Scripture. For he did not know that the Lord had left him. He did not know that the Lord had left him, that the Spirit of God had left. October 4th, 1998. As I read that passage. I began to weep. We were in a study of the Holy Spirit, a small group. And I realized, at that moment, that was me. That if God had chosen to take his Holy Spirit from me, which he won't do, but if he had chosen to, it would have made no difference in my life whatsoever. I would have woken up the next morning, I wouldn't have been aware, I would have just lived my life the way I, w- I had lived it all along. See, I had taken for granted the presence of God in my life, just like Samson did. I was foolish with the presence of God in my life, just like Samson was. How about you? Ever since that day, I pray, oh God. Please help me be so aware of your presence in my life that if you turn your eye away for just a moment, ah, I'll be undone. Hmm. Do I do this perfectly? Fred, no, not at all. But I am aware of the presence of God in my life. Are you? Would you know? Would you know if the Spirit of God left you? Because you have not received something. You have received someone. The very presence of God inside of you. As the worship team comes up, Paul, as he writes to the church in Corinth, gives us a chance to consider this. He says this to the church in Corinth. He says, examine yourselves to see whether... You are in the faith. Test yourselves. Are you ready for the test? Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you, in the person of the Spirit, unless, of course, you fail the test? Have you come to that point in your life, dear friend, where you've, you've trusted Christ? Has the Holy Spirit revealed that to you and breathed new life into you? Then you've passed the test. And the reason that God has placed his spirit inside of you is yes, so that you can live for him. Yes, most importantly, so that you can love him. But but then so that you can declare to the world the unbelievable freedom that comes from knowing Christ in your life. Did you know there's someone loving you? He lives in me and other people too. That's what the children sang for us this morning. Amen, amen, Michelle.